Hello and welcome to episode 812 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, May 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? I- I'm doing all right. I'm feeling like baseball's going to come back, and hopefully soon, and that- that's going to be a good thing, you know, good for all of us, you know, not only just those of us in the business, but just fantasy baseball players in general. It would be nice. It would be lovely. I don't agree with you. <laughs> Why? I, I I am less confident than ever. Because anytime you start to look at the logistics, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, with like, first off, do we even know everyone that would play? I, I don't know that everyone would be down to play under the rules that they're coming up with the testing that they're going to try to do. Can they execute it? What happens when somebody invariably gets it? Do you quarantine a whole team? Do you quarantine, you know, select people? It just doesn't really, I mean, it just doesn't really add up. I just don't see how it's going to work. I want to, I want to be on the side. I want to get there. I can't get myself there, Justin. And like I said, I'm, I'm as, I'm as pessimistic as ever about it, unfortunately. Yeah, I think they're going to figure it out. It sounds like there are players within the union that really want to play. I know there's go- there's probably going to be people who are last to, like, that maybe, like, completely skip out on spring training or whatever the spring training is going to be mm-hmm. uh, and kind of wait and see. Uh, and that's going to be really difficult, especially if there's big-name players. You know, if Mike Trout, who has a wife who's pregnant, I think, in, like, August decides, yep. hey, I- I'm going to wait a little while <laughs> before I, I, you know, where do you end up drafting him? It's it's That's going to be uh, a little bit difficult. But ultimately, I think the, the vast majority of players want to get on the field and want to get paid. The owners well, they, obviously want to get on the feet, get the guys on the field, and they, they want to yeah. get paid. I think it's going to get figured out here pretty quickly. Uh, and I think we're going to have baseball sometime in early July. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take an L on this one. I, I don't see it. Hey, California governor it. said that sports can resume like next I, month. I did, That's... I did hear about that. Um, I mean, you, you know, we are getting some positive information. And again, I want to be very excited about all of this. I can't get there. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the negative train and I'm sorry. Hate to be a downer on it. Um, again, would desperately love to be wrong. I don't. I, I want to know what it feels like to be wrong since I've never been. That, <laughs> that's part of it too. It's almost like a, a, an excitement thing of like, ooh, what happens if you're wrong? Because there's so many people who are wrong all the time. I don't know what that's like. You know, <laughs> it's it's a little weird. This uh, you, you being the negative one and me being the positive one. That, I know like, that doesn't feel like it fits into Roll our motif. Yeah. Yeah. No, but anyway, <laughs> um, well, you know, we'll continue to monitor it and 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 hopefully it can get done. You know, I, I guess it's just the, the one thing I keep running into, and I've already said, is what happens when the first person gets it? Like, well, what, what happens then? Like, um, Bundesliga opened up in Germany, soccer league, with no fans, but people caught it. And I think a whole team has to get quarantined. And it's just like, I'll I tell you what, though. Even if we do get it, I don't know how much money I'm willing to put up on it for fantasy. Yeah, that's 
that's the difficult part is for for people who were going to be playing in like the main event uh, and drop in what seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I know I'll play in at least one main event. Um, you know, I've already got the money tied into it, uh, and I uh, you know I really want to support what Greg um, you know and Tom are doing over at NFBC and uh, plus I I think. I mean, it's kind of going to be like a GPP. Someone mentioned this. I think it was Matt Modica on the RotoWire podcast. It's going to be like a GPP. It's like, you know, I mean, obviously there's going to be skill involved, but there's going to be a lot of variance. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the year that uh, I, I come out on top. So I'll take the shot. I might do two, depending on if my partner that I, I was going to run my second one with is willing uh, to still uh, shell out uh, his portion of the cash. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a shot. Uh, will I play in like six or seven more leagues? No, for sure not. I I might play in two or three. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it all depend on exactly what we get. Um, with regards to the season, exactly what sort of league hall I'm I'm looking to do. Again, I want baseball. I want baseball very badly. I want to be clear that I'm not rooting against it. Um, I just. I don't feel super confident about it, but we don't have to keep going around the around the uh, uh, around the circles on it and, and me repeating the same thing. So let's talk about something that is fantasy related, a little bit of the reverse of what we talked about two episodes ago. Last episode, we talked about our 1999 redraft episode before that. We talked about guys moving up. And so we decided to kind of reverse our list. Let's talk about some ADP fallers. And there's some really interesting names here that both of us looked at and said, wait, he's going down um that's surprising so the biggest faller is for terrible reasons trey mancini obviously he's uh you know has a health issue with the colon cancer we're just wishing for him to get well soon to the best you know to, to the fullest that he can live life well baseball is not even secondary it's like probably tertiary if not way down the list for him i just want trey mancini to get well so let's focus on the guys below him first one joe adele Minus My boy. 40, yeah, minus 47 spots being drafted near 300. Ooh. So all the all the love has evaporated for for him. It almost feels so on the one hand, I'm like, this is super sensible, right? Not overrating one of the very best rookies. At the same time, I'm like, that's pretty late. Yeah. And I don't know that, you know, I, Brian Goodwin. I think he's a solid player. I think he's kind of a perfect fourth outfielder. Is he staving Adele off all year? Or is it just that the shortened season, he was going to need some time, uh, Adele was, in AAA. And so people are thinking, well, how does he act, how does he really get to the majors? I, I go the other way, though. I'm like, well, there isn't really a AAA. Yeah, he's going to be on that 50-man, you would have think. Yeah, and if they do you know, um, a taxi squad there, is he not going to be one of the first guys there? So I'm intrigued and, and sort of confused by this. What do you think of Joe Adele dropping 47 spots into the 276 range? I think this is uh, kind of an overreaction um, to you know a lot of people in the industry express, expressing some concerns about Adele and how he struggled at AAA last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, like I can't imagine he is not on that taxi squad. And if he's on that taxi squad, why would they not just have him up with the team most of the time? I mean, if you're going to give the guy an extra year of service time and start his clock, 
Uh, you want to get some play out of it. Yeah, he's either up or he, he he's he's, uh, he's either up with the whole the team the entire time on the thirty man team, or he is not up at all and he's not on the taxi squad. So at pick three hundred, there's just so much upside, and you can't tell me he's not one of their top two or three best outfielders. It, it just uh, I, I don't understand it, and I think the Angels are in a unique position that. I don't know that they were necessarily going to be a team that would compete for the division uh, or a playoff spot in a traditional season. I just don't know if that rotation can hold up over the course of a full year. Yeah, It, it can hold but, up over the course of a half year. Bingo. And, and, you know, one of the, think of the clowniest guy in there that you don't like, whoever, whoever you are. You know, some of you Dylan think Bundy. Dylan Bundy is the worst. Yeah, there. I, I knew that'd be your guy. Like, wh- whoever it is. Even even the the quote unquote worst of that group, you can envision them having a good half season. Yeah, especially with like Griffin Canning, uh, sounding like he's not gonna be getting TJ right away. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this rotation isn't bad with Heaney, uh, Tehran, Bundy, Sandoval, uh, Canning, and Otani. Like this is yep. an interesting, a very good, interesting rotation. You know, who knows what they end up actually doing with Otani if they just say, you know, we're going to give you another half year to just not, uh, <laughs> not pitch and just, just like, mash yeah, every just day. mash. Um, that lineup would be really hot if if he was playing every day, and it's Listella, Trout, Rendon, Otani, Upton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I even like Simmons, Castro at the bottom. Like that's a solid. Pardon me, bottom of the lineup there. I think that's pretty nice. So, yeah, I I think that could be really interesting if they did. I want Otani to pitch, but they've almost got enough without major injuries, which you can never predict, to do it uh, where he doesn't have to pitch. I still mm-hmm. think the idea of him being a reliever could be really awesome too. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. So I think it's a little weird. I definitely, if his ADP holds where, it, where it's going... <laughs> Adele, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be grabbing him at, around, you know, pick two seventy, two eighty. That's 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 I an took, easy gamble. I took some shares in the uh, late one hundreds, early two hundreds. So, yeah. of course, I would take another one here just to say, well, I mean, if I took him there, even though I would, I, I wouldn't take him at that spot now. I took, I did that a long time ago before things were clear, but now I don't have to pay that. I would still invest in Joe Adele in the late two hundreds. I agree. This next one's probably not so surprising, but it is getting to a point where it's like, hey, man, the second this opens up, someone's probably going to sign Yasiel Puig, and he's going around 216. Now, I will say this. The second he's signed, the trend will will reverse, Mm -hmm. but will it reverse to, you know, top 120, or will it go back to the 175, 150 area that he was already living in? What do you think of our boy Puig? He couldn't find a gig. Um, for those that don't know, he's not allowed to sign during this period, so that's why there hasn't been any movement on him. It's not that nobody wants him. I'm sure there's there was probably a report. Co- yeah, there was a report the Giants were close to a deal with him. Yeah, so I think, and I'm I'm sure there's been some covert talks mm-hmm. during downtime here to be like, okay, when this opens up, we got you for two years, twelve mil, or whatever the case is. What do you think of our boy uh, Puig, though? Dropping down to two sixteen is that is that a buying opportunity for you with him there? Yeah, it's a huge buying opportunity. I in my last draft, my last real draft, it was the uh, the last day of the Rotowire Online Championship, and I, I snagged him really late, like twenty first or twenty second round. 
Uh, Love that. And I feel pretty stoked about He's going to play somewhere. Like You it, have to think, right? Yeah, I just I can't imagine. He's just too good of an overall player not to at least get a pillow contract. Yep. And I just, yep, yep, yep. yeah, I think you have to take the gamble on him. Where, I mean, he, he's a top 100, top 125 player when healthy and on the field. Like it, and I agree. you're getting him at such a huge discount. It just, you, you have to take the shot. Yep. And that, that's where I'm at too. So uh, we are in lockstep with, with regards to Puig. So I won't be, uh, be a dead horse there. And, and talk about him too much because we have discussed, we, we already said he's one of our favorites. So um, we'll move on from Puig. And it will be interesting to see where he goes after getting signed. But I don't think he'll go to a price that prices us out as fans. Some people might still be cautious. You and I will be in till the end, I imagine. And, yeah. Because I don't know there's any spot that he could land that he would become like a top 100 pick. And that would that even that might not push us off of Puig because we're kind of obsessed well, with him. And I mean, typically you would say, you know, guys signing this late, be like, oh, well, one, they're going to miss time. And two, like, we, you know, we don't know how long it's going to take him to get up to speed, but everybody's going to be in that situation. Exactly. So I don't know that it necessarily puts him behind in any real, in any real sense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, I think it's, I think it's perfect. All right. Well, let's move on then to another guy that we've fancied moving down big. And I, I think I know why this one is. Garrett Hampson down 26 picks to about 210, uh, 208.6. But So we'll call it the 210 range. He still has a min pick of 133 in that time, so they're still his believers. This is just a spread between those who think that they're going to play in home parks and not, right? I think so. I just that, that has to be my thing. That, that's my guess is because if if Rockies didn't play in Coors, some of these middling guys would would drop. Like Daniel Murphy's a big dropper. We didn't put him on the list, but he's a twenty pick dropper as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's related. Like Story and Arenado are still going to go, what regardless of where they play. But I think that's hurting some of the the lower mid tier guys. Charlie Blackman, it, if we scroll down a little bit, is on this list. Although he's one. That I would, even though he does have stark home road splits, I, I wouldn't necessarily be out on him. But our boy Hampson had that great September, brought us back on board, and now he's down at 210. Are, are you buying here, even not knowing exactly where games will be played? I think games are going to be played in every uh, in, in every home park. I, I just think that's the way. It, you know, I mean, New York is. Uh, already said that they they're willing to take uh, players back. California said they're willing to you know take sports back. Uh, you know as long as you know teams are following you know certain guidelines. So I think every game gets played in their home park, which means Garrett Hampson's playing you know the forty something games uh, in Coors. Uh, and even if he wasn't, like I wouldn't be overly worried about it. Yeah, well, because we're not really drafting him for. I mean, his, the, the batting average is a huge, you know, sure, huge boost. But. Sure, but but if you got the speed mm-hmm. from Hampson, you're getting what you what you want there. Yeah. If the average was more of like a 260, um, you know, maybe they like, like let's say they played in a neutral spot. Like again, the plans that are being rolled out are putting them back in their stadiums. But let's just say there was a pivot, and they're like, now nah, we got to go back to a pod idea. First off, I think the pod ideas include a lot of minor league parks. So, I, uh, offense would seem to get a boost mm-hmm. in general, right? Most minor league parks are going to play 
more hitter friendly than than pro not more hitter friendly than Coors. I'm not saying that, but I don't know that it's going to devastate Hampson's ability. Plus, I think he's just a quality player. So I don't know that I necessarily would drop him down. His speed component, I don't think that's greatly changed by Coors or not or or anything like that. So I think this is a buying opportunity for us to snag up a little bit more of our guy, especially in a scenario when we might not have been. I don't know how much you were buying him, but as his price was rising, I wasn't getting every share of Garrett Hampson. I've got a couple in the drafts that are already conducted, but he wasn't somebody that, because of the hype of that September, I don't have him everywhere. Yeah, I definitely missed out on a few shares, um, just because other people were starting to buy into the hype again as well. Uh, he was starting to like rise right back to the spot, you know, right around it where he was last season, uh, when the helium started to get a little bit out of control. That I being, know what you're talking about. yeah, exactly. So uh, that being said, like. Not overly worried about like where he's going now. Like this seems like a really another really good a buying opportunity. I mean, obviously you don't want to like we we've already talked up Puig, we've talked up Adele, and now we're talking up Hampson, the first three guys on our list, and you can't like take the gambles on all three. Like True. you've got yeah, to have to pick. Yeah, so you got you got to make your decision in draft or or maybe even pre draft and kind of make the decision on uh, which guy you want. Um, let's see, how many shares of Hampson do I have right now? Um, dun, dun, dun. of course I'm not being able to find the page that, oh, player shares, so there it is. And, oh, maybe not as many as I thought. Yeah, I have, I have one at, out of my five NFBC leagues with, uh, the main event pending. And then, um, I only have two in my main event leagues out of, yeah. uh, nine leagues. And then I have one off of NFBC, so just just two. Oh yeah, I've got five. So of my fifteen leagues that I've drafted thus far, I believe I've got five shares. It seems like a well, good ratio, less yeah, than last and, year. Uh, yeah, we were over overloaded last year, and of course it didn't really work out. And I don't know about you, but I didn't really reap those September benefits. I had long cut Hampson by not. then. <laughs> but uh, but I am willing to go back to the well, and at, at this price. I would take a shot too. So I, I don't necessarily agree with with this with this player drop here. He has dual eligibility, second outfield, premium speed. I think he can still. I, I do believe he can hit a bit. And if they are in Colorado, that makes it all the better. So anything after two hundred, I'm in for with Garrett Hampson. Let's move on to Yandy Diaz because I don't really understand this one. I do. Just a just a twenty five pick drop. Well, what, what's the deal here? What am I missing? I think the fact that the Rays are going to, you know, have this taxi squad, you're going to see platooning oh, like Uber platooning. Yeah, because they're going to have all those guys to That's make fair. matchups, and I think you're also going to see some frustrations within the starting pitching, where they just have a ton of relievers they're able to kind of, you know, bring up and uh, and like then send back down and bring up and send back down, and so they're going to limit how deep starters go into games to try to get the most efficient you know, uh, usage out of them. So like, that's fair. I think if we thought we were frustrated with the Rays previously, I don't think that this is going to stop. And I think it could be exacerbated by the fact that they're going to have this taxi squad. Uh, so I think Yandy Diaz is one of those guys that I wasn't necessarily particularly high on to begin with. Uh, and I'm totally in kind of lockstep with the drop that he's facing as well. Yeah, because he should be a short side and, and, Again, more puzzle pieces, give, giving them more puzzle pieces to work with. That's fair. 
yeah, that, that, that totally adds up. And so he's already, and he wasn't even a high pick, you know, he was in the two fifties. Now he's down to the two eighties, um, for a guy who should probably be short side for the most part anyway, you know, he did take a power spike last year, but if, if you haven't really looked into it, you might be overrating it in your head. I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say that for anybody that um, that knows that Yandy Diaz was was better last year. It wasn't a transformation. Uh, first off, he hit 14 homers. I hit six last year. I don't know if you guys know that I hit six in the majors. So it was not a bad four, it was season. 14 and a half season though. I mean that's that's true. That's true. It was 14 there, but he only jumped his fly ball rate to like 32 percent. Um, he wasn't pulling much more from 29 to 33, still smashing the ball hard, but I don't know. I think a lot was put into the Homer to fly ball spike, um, which 18% is not egregious on its own. But when you consider that he was like a 3% guy going into last year, it it was a giant jump for Yandy Diaz. So bottom line is, even if you believe in the skill, I agree with your point about extra, um, Extra players for them only complicates this further about uh, as far as when Yandy Diaz is going to play. And he could truly be limited to lefties only with the occasional start against a righty. Yeah, his, his launch angle went up, but only to 5.7. Like, it, From like negative, for, right? For, well, it was 4.4 4 in 2018. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so, I mean, it's still way below league average. Um, and yeah, I just, I just worry that... He's just going to, he hit 245 last year against right handed pitching. And I just can't imagine that with the amount of pieces that they have, that they give him full time run, which is what you especially need in a half season. Because if we're talking about we're playing a half season and he's only getting, if he's getting at best half of the at bats, that means he's playing a quarter of a season. Yep. 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 That makes a lot of sense with regards to. Uh, Yandy Diaz, so I totally get that drop, and um, I wasn't really in on him anyway because mm-hmm. of the power. Like it went up, but again, I wasn't like, "Oh wow, this." Is you, you make a good point that it was fourteen and a half season, but then you made the the counter to it, which is mm-hmm. he's only going to play half of a half. You know, he's going to play a quarter at this point, so that makes him tough to really buy in on. Be careful with your Yandy Diaz shares. Like him in AL only, not so much in mixers. This one is a little bit surprising um, because, again, the, the the roster constructions that we're expecting to see, you would think would favor this guy, uh, you know, not I don't want to say being forced, but having a, a quicker path to the majors. And that's Nick Madrigal, second baseman of the White Sox. I believe Ozzie Guillen is holding his spot at second right now. Is that correct? Oh, no, yeah. it's, it's Lurie Garcia. My bad. Same diff. But, it, I mean— you know, Lurie Garcia is a perfectly capable utility player, but that spot's being warmed for Madrigal, no? So well, what's with the sharp dip? Is it just concerns over the, the rookie stuff and, and, and the unknown of when prospects are going to get called up and the fact that they don't have a place to play when they're not in the majors? Yeah, I think that is it. But I think, again, this is going to be one of those situations like Adele where you have to imagine he's on the 50-man taxi squad. And if he's on the 50-man taxi squad, then why wouldn't he be just up at the majors? Like, I, I think this is a really nice buying opportunity on, on Nick Madrigal. Uh, and I, you know, I've been one of the people who said, like, he's not the kind of guy I want on my team. 
Yeah. Uh, like, I just don't believe he has really any power, and I, I know that he's got some speed, but uh, I don't know how much the White Sox will let him run. That being said, like, the batting average is so hard to get late. And he's one exactly. of these guys, like, even if he doesn't steal a ton of bases, he is going to be, he's going to hit for a, a good average, and I think he'll do it right away, and so. He should, he should hit 275 with his eyes closed, which is not, mm-hmm. not an elite average, but that's pretty nice to get late, let alone the fact that you could reasonably get something over 300 mm-hmm. late. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd pencil him in for, like, 285, and then anything else on top is kind of gravy. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's that's great from a middle infield spot late in a draft. So you know I haven't gotten any shares only because there's a guy going way later than him that I love even more in Jorge Mateo. Yeah, but that that being said, like I wouldn't be opposed if I ended up needing to punt both or like two of my you know three mi spots, uh, grabbing Madrigal and grabbing Jorge Mateo. Yep, I I, I like it and and. This does make me a bit more interested in uh, in Madrigal. I hadn't really been getting him at all, but I've uh, you know I, I see this as as a a drop that I could be interested in. We do talk a lot about getting late. Uh, late batting average can be such a nice addition there. This uh, this absolutely works uh, with Nick Madrigal. So keep an eye on him if you if you are somebody who tries to find those uh, those late. Oasis of batting average, he can now be that guy for you. Pick two ninety one. Even his original was two sixty seven. So even if he turns back up, you're really not paying. His min is one ninety two. So that's that. Even that's pretty affordable if you really believe in Nick Madrigal. So uh, understood everything uh, with with regards to that uh, being a good investment. Let's move over to the mound here. Our only pitcher. Uh, he's the highest one, and I'm just not like. There's a couple other guys shortly after him, but I found Carlos, Carlos Carrasco's drop is much more interesting than that of like Dallas Keuchel and Joey Lucchese. The only other guys that are here in like the top, let's see, what is this? In the top 20. So let's focus on Carrasco moving down 22 picks to pick 143. He still has a min of 75, but a max of 206. So those are two massively divergent drafts uh, with regards to Carrasco. Where do you where do you come out on him? Were, were you paying the one twenty pick, or are you more in on the one forty, or is he somebody that you're that you're pushing back from? As I know some folks are this year with Carrasco. Yeah, we talked about him a few episodes ago, and I, I said I'm completely out. I'm just, uh, or at least maybe it was on different podcasts. I mentioned this, but I I'm just not willing to take the gamble that high on Carrasco considering like all the health problems you know last season obviously you know the unfortunate like leukemia diagnosis it was nice to see him come back and that mm-hmm. was more important than the results but we have no idea what kind of treatment and shape he's able to even keep himself in in the offseason uh you know coming into the year and then he got hurt in spring training and his his issues with uh, staying healthy have been, you know, long prior to, you know, the issues with leukemia and these, you know, most recent issues. And I just think it's it's too much of a gamble at that price. I, I love the talent. And if you could tell me you're going to get, you know, whatever the our full season is this year's worth of starts, I would probably be in at the price. Mm-hmm. But I just, especially considering... You know, the majority of my drafts are my big money drafts. I, I'm just not going to take that gamble there. 
Yeah, um, I understand that. He's somebody I will look at still. I'm not. I'm not out on on Carlos Carrasco, but I'm I'm not holding him as in, in as high of esteem as I had previously. I've been a long time fan with with Carrasco. Uh, I, I I'll echo your sentiments. That I was really happy that he got back last year. That was great, but I don't know. I think this price drop. Okay, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm 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 inclined to buy him more here, but if he turned back up and was more of a uh, a top 120 and higher pick, anything inside the top 100, I don't think I'm going for with Carrasco. I do like him more than you, but not to an overwhelming degree that I'm looking at this discount as a huge must buy up all the uh, all the assets type of deal. I mean, he, here's the you know the main problem with Carrasco is the the players going right around him, so. The, the three or the four pitchers, or actually five pitchers, going ahead of him over the course of the last month Max Fried, David Price, Eduardo Rodriguez, Hyunjin Ryu, and Kyle Hendricks. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and then behind him, you've got uh, Robbie Ray, Matt Boyd, Kent Maeda, Carlos Martinez, and Lance McCullers. Oh, wow. And okay. then you can keep throwing in names like Odorizzi, who I know you like, Mike Miner, who yep. I love. Uh, you know, um, Herman Marquez, who we're probably neither of us are gonna have very many shares of, but you've got True. Luke Weaver and uh, Mike Fultonevich, and I just think, you know, Marcus Stroman, I just think guys like that are just more stable for the most part. Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of that is fair, and, and there are definitely guys in that list that I do like more or as much, and then. You know, I'm probably going to choose them in a tiebreaker there. But, um, you know, like I said, still on my radar, Carrasco is just not to the degree he has been in past years because the group around him has players that I want to get um, a a bit more this year. So we'll kind of see, monitor that if he falls further. Uh, I think part of that, uh, part of the fall, by the way, is, excuse me, some of the guys that he he'd been pushed up a bit because of some of the injuries that we were having heading into the peak draft season. Well, those injuries have uh, uh, healed, I guess. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say evaporated, but they haven't evaporated. But a lot of them have healed and brought those guys back into the fray and just kind of naturally pushed him down. So I don't even know that it's necessarily like a big backlash against Carrasco. It's more of like, hey, we're putting him in. Uh, what we thought the proper place was, but he had moved up a little bit artificially due to some of the injuries. So, and, and some that, of the, some of the guys too that people really think get a huge bump in Luzardo um, and Julio Arias, you know, fr- from the shortened season, are are vaulting up the ADPs and, and pushing down the ADPs on other guys. Exactly, exactly. So, great call out there with regards to uh, Carlos Carrasco. Let's move on to our next player here. And that will be Gavin Lux. Now, he's moving down uh, about 15 picks to around 175. I felt that the 160 was was a pretty decent buying opportunity. Again, another major prospect who the, the, the market has tempered on a bit. And y- you appreciate the restraint. But at the same time, I'm wondering... Well, why now necessarily? Because he's going to be on that squad. And I understand that they're like the Rays, wherein more assets means they could do more finagling. I don't know, though. I'm not I'm not convinced that he's going to be a platoon guy, Gavin Lux. I feel like it's something where, you know, 
we could go back and laugh. Like, remember when we thought he was going to be a platoon guy and he hit the ground running and, and he's been a stud? So, I don't know, man. I think I'm jumping on this on this price drop for uh, for Lux. What do you think? I think the price drop kind of puts him where he should have been all along. Um, and so it gives me an opportunity to get some shares because I wasn't. I mean, there are some concerns. They do have those guys on this team that are kind of like lefty mashers. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's super small sample last year against left-handed pitching, but he was awful. So, like, it, yeah. Was, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. it was only 12 at-bats. Uh, I, I don't think you gleam anything from 12 at-bats, uh, especially against, you know, a certain handedness of a pitcher. Uh, I, I think he has a ton of talent, and I think he will probably have more than uh, than a traditional platoon in terms of you know overall overall uh, at bats. But I do think he's going to lose at bats, uh, and I do wonder where he's going to hit in the lineup. We have him hitting eighth now. Yeah, we, got him, we got him down there just above the pitcher for lots. But the addition of the DH to the National League obviously means oh, yeah, that right. maybe one of those guys that would traditionally platoon with him are getting full run is the DH. Mm-hmm. So I, and then he could, and even if he is batting eighth and it's not a pitcher, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't worry about that. And I mean, you could easily see him jump guys in that lineup. If they get off to slow starts, you know, this is a team that is, you know, injury prone and, and has some older guys and like Justin Turner, um, you know, Corey Seager plays like he's 80. Uh, so, I mean, like, <laughs> we could God. see we could see Lux definitely move up the lineup. I just think I'm, I'm not going to, like, start, like, pushing his price back up or anything like that. Uh, you know, I'll take a share here or there uh, when the price drops uh, around where he's going. Because, I mean, he's, you know, right now he's going, what, 174? Uh, about, but his max is 222. So if he falls outside of the 200s, I'll probably mm-hmm. grab a share. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I think I've got, I think I have him on like one, maybe two teams for Gavin Lux. I would get another one here uh, on a cheaper price. I'm not like over the top on him for, for 20. Uh, I'm not so much saying like, hey, you know that he's a guarantee this year. He's going to be incredible. I do, I do like a, I do like a discount though. And um, even though they have a ton of players, it's 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 similar to the Rays, where even though they have a ton of players and you understand some of the um, downsides, you still just want to be in. You you just you just want to have pieces of of what they've got going. So um, yeah, I, I could see myself copping a little bit more. On the uh, on on the Lux train there, um, as we kind of look at where drafts go, he's one of those guys that like if he just gets off to a hard, hot start, there just may not be enough time <laughs> for him to you know lose playing time after that. You know if if he starts yep. off the first two weeks of the season hitting three hundred and is poked out of you know crushing you know three or four bombs and you know stolen a base and you know playing good enough defense. Uh, that they're not like looking at it, trying to replace him defensively. Like he's one of those guys. Like if he does that early, then they're not going to go away from him. They'll just keep running him out there. I fully agree with that. So you know we're not, we're not really jumping away from this uh, from this luck situation. Neither of us were heavily invested beforehand, but uh, this drop might be something that I buy into. Got a couple more players here 
Shogi Akiyama. Now this one, I wonder if it's just like raw uncertainty of like, well, we don't know what's going on. So he just gets moved down in the fray a little bit. It's not a huge drop from the two sixties to the two eighties. Um, you know, about 15 to 20 pick drop in this time. He still has a min pick of 162, So there's still the believers. I am a, I consider myself a believer. I was in at this price. I'll be in at a discount. Status quo for me. I'm just going to keep buying. I really do see him as a, as a really solid asset atop that strong Cincinnati lineup. I'm not exactly sure why he's dropping. Again, I think it might just be people going ahead of him more than anything against him, but he's jumped down around. Maybe it's the, um, the added pieces to the added players to teams. They're worried he becomes a platoon guy, but it would be a strong side anyway. And I think that's something that he could fight through. Plus he's slated to bat atop the lineup. So I like Shogi Akiyama. I'm in, I'm taking the discount. What say you good, sir? Yeah, I, I was already taking what I felt like was a discount because people just didn't know who he was. Bingo. Uh, and so you give me even further discount. Yeah, I'm all over that. I, I think he is going to be hidden at the top of that lineup, like you said. Uh, that Reds lineup is going to be pretty sick this year. They're going to get to play in Cincinnati, which obviously helps. Uh, I, I, you know, now if they're if they're playing against you know the AL Central for you know a huge portion of their games as well, they're going to get to beat up on you know some of the bottom you know feeding pitching that is in that division. Like I really like Akiyama a lot and the, the addition of the DH, I think, you know, means he won't have to platoon maybe as much. I mean, they're going to have a, you know, full-time spot for Nick Senzel. Now they're going to have a full-time mm-hmm. spot for Jesse Winker. Uh, you know, and if, if players platoon, like why would they platoon him out of the gate? They want to see what he can do. Now, if he struggles, exactly. obviously they'll platoon him, but he'd have the strong side. But I think they give him full run. They gave him the contract to come over to the U.S. I, I think he, yeah, I think he's going to get full run at least early on. And I think this ADP is uh, ridiculously low. I mean, we're talking like I think he should be going like closer to where his min pick has been, um, you know, which is one sixty two, uh, as opposed to going over a hundred picks later. Yeah, I, you and I are very much in lockstep with Akiyama. Um, we're definitely going to benefit from this uh, if we do get back, get drafts, and and, and jump on board. I mean, we're going to benefit in that. We're going to take him. We're not necessarily um, not. He's not guaranteed to be great, but uh, we're we're pretty excited about it. So this should be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm eager to see what he can do because I think he can be a really good player at the top of the lineup there. Akiyama doing a bunch of different things, nothing over the top. I think the batting average will be the best asset. A little bit of speed, a little bit of pop, a lot of runs on that ball club. So I'm taking advantage of this drop and I'm probably taking advantage of this next one here too, because why is my boy Luis Arise dropping? What's going on? He's got about a similar, uh, 15 ish pick drop. And, Let's see, where where's he? Uh, what's his new ADP? Why am I missing? Uh, about 20 pick drop down to the 260s, 270s range. And even in this time here, the min pick is 174, which is, you know, uh, it, it's up there. But I don't think it's egregious at 174, for if, especially if you need the batting average and if he's kind of the perfect piece. If you have a few of those uh, batting average sync power guys, He's like the best pick for you at that time. So I'm taking the Arise discount. I've been obviously hyping him 
all spring. Why do you think he's dropping 20 picks around round plus? I don't really know. Like this one is, it may just be more of other guys kind of pushing him down. Yeah. Pushing him down as opposed to him. Like, uh, or, I mean, it could be the matter. It could be a matter of like a lot of these drafts are influenced by the end of the on uh, online championship, which is a 12 team league. And so there were probably a number of drafts where he didn't get drafted in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I mean, one, he is a huge batting average asset, which is hard to get this late in a draft. Uh, and two, uh, he's got second base and outfield eligibility. And I love players. I mean, I love multi-positional eligible guys to begin with, but I really love guys that have infield and outfield eligibility. Um, and I haven't been one of his biggest supporters because I tend to devalue batting average to begin with he has no power and no speed he is just like an empty batting average uh kind of guy uh that being said like this price i've gotten him in drafts you know you know in some of my more recent drafts uh and that is uh you know just because the price is so good and if you're drafting those gallows or those sonos like to have a, a pillow like this is really helpful it's a nice counter, right? And and it can it can really work for what you're uh, what you're what you're drafting. Um, if you are somebody like Justin who who pushes away from batting average, that doesn't mean that you you have to get rid of all of it. If you can get somebody like a Luisa Rise who can help counter that, um, and then you happen because your idea is that you punt it with the idea of spiking a few of those guys who are just tremendous hitters, like. You take Malik it, Smith and hope that it's the season that he hits 270 as opposed to 240. 230. Yeah, yeah 240, and, 230. Yeah, and then you, even if you then you've added a guy like Arise, and all of a sudden you went from oh technically I was punting batting average to oh now I'm getting eight or nine points in the category. And then you get the 253 out of Gallo instead of the 206. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you get a couple of those things, but you get skill sets that could pop in batting average. But now you're adding one. That is like a, a supplement. That almost he's almost kind of juicing those guys. So yeah, I, I like Arise. I think he's going to score a ton of runs. The dude makes so much contact. I think he can score runs even at the latter half of the lineup, batting six seven, um, if he doesn't work his way up near the top. But I even think that that's a possibility that he could find himself in like the two hole. Um, I don't think a lot of power is going to develop. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you know he could sneak twenty or anything like that. I do think he could sneak double digits in a full season, but that's not that's not that special. We know that. We, we know where we're at with power these days. But give me the runs. Give me the average. Give me an interesting skill set like this at age 23 for Luis Arise, particularly with a 20-pick discount down to the uh, 270s, 280s range. Or excuse me. Yeah, 270s range uh, for Arise. So you that's know, where I'm at with him. You Go ahead. Know, you, know, you know who would have been a really great person to pair with Arise oh. is Todd Hundley. Why, why, why do you bring him up? <laughs> you know that name's not allowed on this show anymore. <laughs> I really, uh, <laughs> I really don't like you. Yeah, no, that it's. Uh, I'd, li- I'd like to pretend that this wasn't already the end of the pod and that I'm ending it because yes, of, because of this. But uh, the the the, bu- the bummer is that Todd Hudley didn't play in '86, which is our next uh, retro draft. I know that's going to be fun. So we're doing that tomorrow. Have you started to take a look no, no. at everything yet? It, next week. 
Oh, next week. That's right. That's it's right. Every that's two right, weeks. Because... They're doing they're doing another version oh, of the ninety nine with different players. So because I, I want to stream it, but I was like, I, I'd already kind of made a plan for Wednesday, and I was going to figure out how I was going to tell my stream, like, oh yeah, we're doing this draft. I forgot they do the another ninety nine this week, and then you guys, you and I are on deck next Wednesday. So it's uh nineteen eighty six is what Fred picked. Have you started? I'll admit I have not started looking yet, but have you started taking a look? I have just kind of a cursory look of. Uh, because I mean, if I thought that ninety nine was difficult because I wasn't playing you fantasy, play, yeah, uh, eighty six. Uh, at the end of the eighty six season, I was one. I, I was five, so I really wasn't aware either. So we, you know, we, 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 you know, we were, we were like, what's going on? We had no, no idea there. Um, and I'm more familiar. Honestly, eighty seven is kind of the first season that I have some real memories tied to. Um, not necessarily like vivid ones from. My, my childhood outside of a couple, but just more of having studied that season for some of the the weirdness that it had. So 86, I don't really know anything. I'm looking a little bit at the leaderboards here, and I do see that uh, Wade Boggs hit 357 uh, with eight homers. I see, and these are just the war leaders too, so they include some defense, which he does. Uh, Jesse Barfield played great defense, but went 40-100-100 with eight chip-in steals. Uh, Don Mattingly hit 352. Um, I see Ricky Henderson stole 87. Tim Raines stole 70. So this this speed thing is probably when we're doing these, going back to these 80s ones, and they've already done an 80s one. You and I were not part of it, 1982. But going back to when steals were more prevalent is probably the biggest change that we deal with. Um, and acknowledging, like you know, that that Klesko pick that was the money maker for Fred. That was like, how is that available that late? That just jars us back to that era, that that, that peak steroid juice ball era of like, holy crap, two ninety seven with twenty homers and eighty ribbies was available in the last round, and it and it's not egregious that it was. So steals are going to be plentiful. Do you want to guess um, how many players hit forty homers? Uh, three. One. It was uh. just Jesse Barfield. Yeah. I mean, Do you want to guess how many hit 30 real quick? Uh, seven. Hang on, let me make sure. Uh, in case anybody did it without qualifying for the batting title, it was 13. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's a different. It's going to be much different than 99. Uh, yep. I, I, you know, one of the things I looked at early was like, what were the batting averages like? Because that was something I didn't uh, kind of account for. And it's like, oh, okay, team batting averages around like 250 something. So. Uh, that's not going to be uh, super uh, plentiful. Uh, you know, the one interesting thing, too, that um, I think Doug Dennis over at Baseball HQ kind of mentioned uh, was that uh, there were a bunch of closers who got wins. Um, yes. Which really will bump up their value. Uh, so, like, there, were, I think he said there were five five closers who got at least ten wins. Um, um, and are you seeing this guy, um, Scott? Garrett's he had 13 wins and 10 saves yeah so I mean even like Dave Rigetti who led the league in saves that year with 46 uh had eight wins and this is the famous Mark Icorn season if you mm -hmm. listen to uh Rates and Barrels where they talk about the the Project Goat and everything this is a very popular season because he had 14 wins 10 saves brilliant ratios and 157 innings in relief 
and it's it's a very popular season there. So yeah, there's multiple guys. Uh, What what was the stat from Doug? Uh, That I believe that there were five closers who got ten or more wins. Yep, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing those five actually. And then if you if you include it's Scott Geralt's G A R R E L T S. He only got ten saves, but he did get thirteen wins. So even he. Uh, kind of fits in there. Lance McCullers, his dad went ten and five uh, with a two seventy eight ERA. So maybe he's a, a later pick for somebody with one hundred thirty six innings. So it's another very unique peel, uh, pool. It's it's t- completely different from the ninety nine one that we just did. So and then we're not gonna be able to take away anything from that really. And like, don't overlook that before working in Dunder Mifflin, Michael Scott, uh, you know, was led, a G. Yeah, led the league in WAR, eighteen wins, two hundred seventy-five innings. Uh, I mean, with a two twenty-two ERA, you know, ten strikeouts per nine, like that. That's a pretty baller season there from from uh, the office's own Michael Scott. I think he's going to be a first-round pick, and perhaps I think there's an argument to make him the first overall pick. Perhaps the overall. So, all right, well, we will talk more about that next week. Um, But, hey, great talking with you. And, uh, you know, again, just want to reiterate, I want to be wrong here. I'm not spreading pessimism to to be nasty or anything like that. Just giving my opinion on where I think things are going to be. I'm I'm bummed about it, but I'm just having trouble getting my hopes up. Uh, I would love if we got baseball. It'd be great. Anyway, talk to you on Thursday come up with something to, to discuss still taking ideas if you guys are interested in us doing something maybe we get back to a draft it has been a while i know we had we kind of overloaded on those a little bit so we peeled back maybe we get back into another one of those maybe it's a baseball themed one so we mix things up but anyway justin have a good one and it was good talking with you take it easy